From the news capital of the world, you've landed on the Daily Objective from the Ayn Rand Center UK. Delighted to have you with us from all over the world. Don't let that moniker fool you. Ayn Rand Center UK actually means you, as in your audience, K know, you know about Ayn Rand and uh, her philosophy, because that's what we're here for. Can I just kill this? Wonderful sound, but that's what we're here for Monday through Friday with an original show. We are history's largest network of objectivist related programming every day, bringing you a show with some of the biggest minds in objectivism, I believe. Uh, people who in many cases knew Ayn Rand, like Harry Binswanger, like Dr. Peakoff, uh, like James Valiant, who worked with Dr. Peakoff, and some of the young, smartest minds in objectivism, like our guest today, Jennifer Miguel. Now, Jennifer is kind of a I would say, I wouldn't say infamous, but I would say famous, um, beloved perhaps in the objectivist pop culture movement, because you might know her as I did for many years as Millennial Rand fan. That was your moniker on YouTube for quite some time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I changed it back because I was like, uh, it's just, it works better. <laughs> yes, well, I mean, you, you know, you, you explored that for a while. You did a, did a lot of great content, which we're gonna talk about. And you've done a lot of new great content, uh, which you know we've talked about on the channel before, in particular uh, your movie, which I want want to touch on. But um, you know we're individualists here, and we know you don't speak for any group, but you are a so-called millennial. You're in that group, not by choice, but by birth. Yes. <laughs> and you've shared a lot of experience, um, and we're excited to have you here today to help us understand you know, the generally speaking from your perspective, millennials interest in Ayn Rand. Right. So, well, when I was approached to, you know, talk about this subject, it was more about why do you think there aren't any, or there aren't more uh, millennial objectivists or millennial Rand fans, right? And so I, I, I did think about it a lot and I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like I, I can, I can like dive into it. it like it, it's, it's a, it's a quite a bit of information that I prepare. <laughs> great, great. Well, good. We, we have a lot of questions, and we're gonna take them from our super chatters and from our YouTube members. You know, there's so many ways to support us here at the Iron Center UK, and frankly, we need the support. We run completely 100% on donations. We have people all throughout Europe. We're putting on live events all throughout Europe. Uh, including one just coming up in a couple of weeks. So, you know, trade value for value. Don't be a freeloader and hit us up for three pounds on the super chat, five shekels on the super chat, 10, whatever that hell they have in Sweden thing on the super chat or the good old greenback. We always appreciate that too. And, or become a member on YouTube and thank you for supporting uh, all that we're doing. Uh, I'll take Jennifer, I'll, I wanna remind our worldwide global audience just who these millennials are, because some of them might not know. Of course, our presentation today is just our own perspective, not part of uh, objectivism. But, you know, I went to my new source of information about millennials. It's uh, ChatGPT, known as Generation Y. I always thought Generation Y was younger. Uh, they're known as being tech savvy. You might remember that. Diverse and inclusive. That equality thing, I think, is a big part of millennial culture from what I remember focused on the work-life balance. I mean, you mm -hmm. can remember that. Um, Jennifer, you, you know, it's just obviously very familiar with you, for you. And, you know, 
Lillian is a kind of older now, but this was these were big themes, especially you know five ten years ago, and still are mm -hmm. politically and socially conscious. They're entrepreneurial. Um, these are as chat. How smart is ChatGPT? They say they're stereotypes. So, you know, this is what uh, they posited as millennial fashion. I don't know. I don't know. You don't look like that, but I guess some millennials. Sometimes I'm just kidding. <laughs> Just too much leather there, even fake leather. Um, but these are some of those classic millennial, at least U.S. TV shows, Dawson's Creek and South Park and uh, Dave Chappelle, except very popular when millennials were coming up. Uh, Equal to Reality says that he's a millennial and he's about to turn 30 and he's an objectivist. Well, all right. He's answering your question already, Jennifer, or our question there. Millennials apparently are into Pete Buttigieg. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. He's a millennial candidate. Of course, they're, this is like a millennial, uh, you know, orgasm, visual orgasm. <laughs> I mean, it's just, this is the height. It's Bill Nye, Obama, and uh, what's that guy's name? Tyrese. Um, yeah. I honestly can't remember his name. Someone to remind me. It's, I'm, I'm blanking. He's the famous... Um, yeah, I don't know, but I have a friend that's very much a fan of the, oh Neil Neil Ty, Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Neil deGrasse yes. Tyson. Thank you, equal to, to reality, right? I mean, knew it was something. This is like millennials' ultimate. They do a lot of Snapchatting when with their phones, right? I mean, everyone the some millennials and kind of invented that. And these are supposedly some millennial uh, bread is future money. That's to catch a fade is to get punched out. I don't know. I don't you. I, to clap back is to respond with an insult. Yeah, okay, well, maybe not that But the question we're answering today is, are millennials interested in Ayn Rand? Jennifer's here. This is your new movie. Is it out? Let's find out right away. <laughs> yeah, the short film. Uh, um, yes, it's on a, a, a new channel and you can just find it by Googling the 20th Century Motor Company. And it's a nine minute, scene, uh, animated adaptation from a scene from Atlas Shrugged, one of like the most important scenes from Atlas Shrugged. I mean, there's so many important scenes, right? But this is one of my favorites. Awesome. Well, this was this was a big um, effort of yours for uh, for a long time. So people should definitely check that out. Now, one of our super chatters straight off when I, we asked, posted this question said, are there, why aren't there more Millennial Ram fans? And he said, it's early, which you might remember, our audience might remember, remember that famous quote that Rand said to Dr. Peacock, because Atlas was published and Dr. Peacock was like, well, that's it. You know, the world's gonna be fixed. And Rand said famously, it's earlier than we think, you think. Is that the deal with millennials? Or is there something special about them that they're not clamoring over Rand like they were say in the 50s and 60s? When you say when you say it's earlier than you think, you it, it, does that mean that like we we still haven't seen where the movement can go to? Is that what it's referring to? That's what I believe. I mean, again, these are Rand's words to Dr. Peacock. It's a kind of a story, but I think and and I don't know. I was like that too when I read Atlas. I was like, oh, if everyone reads this, then the world will change immediately. And I think I think Rand's point, and let's hear from our super chatters, is that you know, it's much earlier to change a culture uh, than you think, even when you read her words. So why aren't there more millennial Rand fans from your perspective, or maybe there are? Okay, so obviously this is a very nuanced issue and there's a lot of factors that come into play. Some of them 
uh, hold more weight. Some of them are more superficial. Like if you were to talk about more superficial ones, you could be, you could discuss the popularity in general of Ayn Rand's works or how she, her image is being marketed or like even something even more simple, like the, the interest of a generation in reading in general, right? Like, because you have to, you know, pick up the book and read to even be exposed to it in the first place. But if we were to talk about things that, that hold more weight, I think is um, to the extent that millennials as a generation have been influenced by other philosophies uh, that might be conflicting to the values that we find in objectivism, you know, that's going to influence their reaction to her ideas when they are exposed to, to her work. So as we know, a lot of, most of like the predominant philosophies in the world, uh, you know, embrace altruism and faith, which are obviously very at odds with the top values in objectivism. So to the extent that people embrace uh, altruism and faith, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, they're going to, when presented with Atlas Shrugged or any other uh, work by Ayn Rand, they're gonna have a, a very like intense reaction to it. Like, this is not what I know to be true. And so, it's so, it's so contrary to everything they've been presented. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is true worldwide because, you know, globally it's like, you know, Dr. Brooke and others have traveled and there's, it's a different thing in South Korea and all over the world. But like, it just seems like in America, you know, you had, um, you had a, essentially a, a libertarian, um, a Goldwater campaign, which a lot of young people, Dr. Benzwanger including, who were objectivists in that movie, there was like a lot of excitement. And it just seems like, and I don't, can't explain it, but and I think it's the culture, you know, as you said, that kind of interest and fervor, and even young people now, the so-called libertarian movements, it's not like Rand is tremendously popular, only objectivists are still the real radicals. Mm -hmm. Well, I, so when I, when I think about my own journey, like I had a lot of the odds stacked against me because I grew up in a Christian household. And even though my nuclear family wasn't like super, super religions, religious, my extended family was like, they all like went to church multiple times a week. And, and we went to church like every Sunday, right? But, but one thing that was in favor of me being more open to friends work when I did encounter it was that my, my, family even though we were christian they also were very much in favor of like gaining knowledge and instilling the value of education and instilling um a love for reading so all those things like were event were an advantage for me for when i you know was thinking about going to college and i was you know looking for scholarships and i encountered the the atlas Shrug essay contest and i never heard of it you know, and I read it, uh, I read it was uh, thanks to the, these uh, other values that were kind of balancing the scale with between Christianity and like being open to new ideas. That's what helped me, you know, be open to, to Ireland's philosophy. But what if I hadn't grown up in a household that like was pro-education, pro-knowledge, pro-reading, pro 
and, and actually frowned upon that or that never, never, never celebrated that. Because in my household, anytime we like achieved something academically, it was celebrated and whatnot. So maybe I wouldn't have like been open to uh, objectivism when, when reading Atlas Rock for the first time, you know? And you are such a success story. I mean, not only that you've been able to bring so much to your life through objectivism and, and, and Atlas Shrugged, but, you know, you're able to extricate yourself, you know, not just from a big picture culture of altruism, but your own family situation, which takes a lot of courage. I think it takes a lot of moxie, as they say, you know, to kind of discover it. And what a, I think a, a, a hat or a feather in the cap of the Ayn Rand Institute who put on the the contest and you ultimately I think you've interned or worked with the institute. Oh, yeah. Yes. I so, interned and I worked. <laughs> yeah. Well and, and ultimately the biggest feather in the cap for you because you know you took it upon yourself to reject, you know, the whole maybe young people at large now aren't religious like you were, you know, I don't think that's a but they're religious in the sense of like the environmentalism thing. You know, that's that's kind of a religion among young people. Yes. And obviously why they think Ayn Rand is probably trash. Yeah, it's so unquestioned. Even I, back in the day, I was just like, yeah, like, makes sense. Um, and it wasn't like I just came to these ideas on my own that the environment, like, when I was little, I remember people would come to school and be like, stop wasting water. And this is in Mexico, like, we're going to run out of water. Like, it was very, like, a panic thing. And I was like, oh, yes, we're going to run out of water. So you just grew up, like, thinking this is, this is it it's a reality so when somebody questions it or or the principles behind it right which is what Ayn Rand's doing she questions the principles behind environmentalism you're just like this this person's wrong and probably everything else they talk about is wrong yeah I mean Alex Epstein who I know you know does great work on this issue gets booed and probably gets tomatoes thrown at him when he puts forth, you know, a map. So, I mean, again, you you kind of fight that and um, you're inspiring, I know, to millennials. Now millennials, we're getting a lot of great reaction on, on our super chat. Walter Bishak, thank you for your contribution, says he backed the animation project, your animation project. Hey. Great job. Yes. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, great. Um, We've got, uh, we've got Wes Stewart, super generous contribution, says he's a millennial, but on the older side of that age group, I found Rand in my 20s. It's always possible to find new fans. So, I mean, you're, you're uh, young, but, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to get, I don't know. Millennials, some of them are in their 30s now, probably. Um, you know, so a little bit older. Um, you know, is it too late to get you know, to kind of reach millennials? Are they too set in their ways? I think, you know, <laughs> you know, we know that get them while they're young, Avita, get them while they're young. Is it too late to reach some of these people? I mean, I don't think so. I, I think it's just a matter of obviously like what whatever their their journey might be, like they might encounter Rana on their own in, in some way, but also we're getting so many new influencers in general and and these influencers like a lot of them are you know uh promoting ideals of production or uh productivity and being more more pro-reason and whatnot they might not be objectivists but the more people that are like pro-reason or secular they might 
you know, eventually give a shout out to Rand and then that makes people like want to pick up the book. So it's not, it's not too late. Like as long as people are talking about her, especially influencers or people who people listen to, like, I think like we can still get people interested no matter their, their age. And look, I've put my money where my mouth is because I have a not huge collection, but I have a collection of first edition, first printing Atlas Shrugs. They're not all great condition, but my expectation is, is at some point in my lifetime, Rand is going to be as popular as she was in the, you know, the 50s and 60s. I mean, you might not know the name, uh, Jennifer, but uh, Liza, maybe you do, I don't know, Liza Minnelli, like mm-hmm. in the 50s and 60s, 60s probably was a huge American star. There's a famous picture, if you Google it, of her with um, a copy of We the Living. And, oh. that, you know. Just the same way that that stupid idiot Grimes walks around with the communist manifesto now. Oh, she does. Oh, she she gets po- photographed by the paparazzi. Just, I mean, so I, mean, I think, you know, young people just need, well, what do I know? I mean, you know, what ultimately does it take? Is it an influencer? Is it somebody like Mark Pellegrino or the next younger Mark Pellegrino to like, make young people say, oh, let me pick that up. You know, what, well, what, is, it, what is it the schools? I mean, what, what do we do? Okay, so obviously you could, you could go all those routes, right? But also maybe just in general, not, I don't know if we can target specifically like millennials, but in general, if we want, one thing that would make the culture more open to Rand's ideas in general is, if there was a shift in the culture to to be a little bit more secular and more pro-rational egoism, like without without like involving uh, objectivism, right? Just those two things. Um, I think people would be more open to objectivism when they do encounter Rand's works. And one way to get there, I think like one formula, but it's like a long term. Um, it's to teach people and make them actually really believe that the purpose of their life is to be happy, right? And then that it is up to them to to fi- to define what makes them happy. Because if people really believe that, like it, it is the purpose of life is to be happy, and and it's their job. People, I think, would not be more naturally selfish because obviously, if you want to attain your happiness, you can, you know, you can sacrifice. And they would also be more nat, like more naturally or inclined to be a little bit more secular to question faith because you know faith demands a lot of um, sacrifice from you and whatnot, or like to suspend reason or to evade. And that when you do that, you know, it's like a roadblock to to attaining happiness. So if people really, really believe like the purpose of their life is to be happy, they would when encounter, they would be more secular and more uh, rationalized self-interest. And then if they do encounter Rand's work, they would be more open to it, you know, more. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Brooke used to start his talks. Maybe he still does with this, like, who owns your life? And everyone would raise his hand and he would make, I think, often a very effective bridge to, you know, your happiness, the pursuit, the rational pursuit of it. I mean, Wes, who's really, thank you again for a super generous contribution today. You're a fan favorite, Jennifer. So thank you for being here and for inspiring such great conversation on our super chat. We got Apollo Zeus. We've got Tom Crystal. We got Daniel. We've got Christopher, Bonnie, 
MP creates lots of great super chat chat. Wes Stewart Stewart asks or points out that another obstacle for millennials is that Rand is frequently associated with the right. As a teen, anything associated with the religious right, I immediately dismissed. Right? I mean, it seems like to this day, um, Slate, what are they called? Uh, one of those websites always publishes Ayn Rand, the favorite philosopher of the new right, of Donald Trump, of, oh, Ford, yeah. of uh, Paul Ryan. party darling, yeah. So isn't, it's a problem, right? I mean, Ayn Rand is still seen as right-wing, you know, philosopher. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's one of one of the things that I mentioned in at the beginning. I think it, it might be superficial, but it, it does make an impact. Like the her image in general, like we it's it's about the Iran's uh, haters. They're gonna do something to to tarnish her image, but also Iran's supporters might not be promoting her in the best way. So you know. <laughs> There's there's two two problems in that in that respect. I mean, I find myself with everyone just trying to get them to read, which as you pointed out is difficult in general, but even to read a little bit, to just, you know, I can't I feel like just read a little bit, but you're the haters are so, and I think a lot of the haters are millennials because Bonnie says, you know, they've millennials have lived with the idea of recycling from birth. This has like been instilled into them, but they go to our webpage, they go to the Ayn Rand Institute webpage just to hate, like just to throw or be trolls. You know, Ayn Rand um, took social security and died penniless. Like, oh, I haven't heard that before. You heard that when you were 18. We've all heard that. So um, as long as you said, I think they haven't picked it up. Gene says there, there's a lot of integration required after reading Rand. Environmentalism yes. was a hurdle for me Alex Epstein is the man. You know, maybe it's some of that too for anyone is just kind of reading some Ayn Rand, getting a taste of objectivism and thinking about it. Gee, Jennifer said that my happiness is my goal. What does that mean? I mean, is that, is that what worked for you? Are you asking me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, for, for me was, you know, it was all about reading which is another issue, right? Like. People can have a surface level interest in reading, or they might be, you might be able to convince them to read a book, like read at the shrug, but then to actually go beyond that, to like read the nonfiction, which is actually what you need to actually study objectivism. Well, or I guess you could read at the shrug like 10 times and really like, like break it down and maybe you would get objectivism from that. But, you know, many people stop at one book and they might get like some nice ideas or like some inspiration but if you're not really a reader or someone very interested in in ideas and in gaining more knowledge or like it's gonna be really hard to gain a very good understanding of objectivism. I, I think that's a really interesting perspective. Rand herself was asked and I think said something effective you know she didn't prefer, but people who read the fiction or liked the fiction were, I don't know, more interested in objectivism. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Certainly wasn't in my perspective. And you're right. It used to be like, oh, read Atlas Shrugged. But for most people, they look at that book and they're like, not a chance. You know, <laughs> Tanya hasn't read one book. Most millennia, most people aren't going to read it. 
maybe the, the way in is something. I mean, I always thought like, give them an essay, give them the essay on race, mm. give them the essay, you know, uh, you know, any essay, give them what is uh, uh, man's rights. Right. Just give them eight, spend 800 words to just give them a taste of reason. Couldn't that work yeah. for millennials who don't have a lot of time? Yeah, that, that's a good one. Uh, I remember I, there were a few good essays on uh, Ayn Rand's essays on objectivist thought, which was my my first nonfiction book that I read of her, and uh, and I was like, whoa, this is this is really explains everything I read in in Atlas Shrugged. But also something else that I just thought about, like one good way to get people interested in objectivism is to like be an example of it, right? Like live really integrate the principles in your life and you know really fight for your happiness and actually be happy and like pursue your values and whatnot the people are like that person's really cool like what's your secret like what are you believing like if if more people that like are interested or they're consider themselves subjective as or, or brand fans if they actually um yes. use that to their advantage and became an example people will want to know well like what's your secret you know, absolutely not be, you know, bitter, like I think millennials or anyone else doesn't want to see like bitter political commentators. I remember when I first saw Dr. Peikoff in that the famous 1984 and Dr. Ribpath in that famous 1984, I thought these men are so well-spoken. They're so charismatic. They seem to be so masterful. And that was inspiring to say, I want to learn more about that. Um, now, Equal to Reality was very generous said that we should be focusing on Gen Z and Generation Alpha, which I haven't heard about, as most millennials are over 30. So he's dismissed you, uh, Jennifer, in your generation. We should just, you know, kick you to the curb, as I guess millennials would say, or Gen X would say. What, what say you? Well, I would say, how dare you, you know, but also, uh, I mean, there is, I, I'm, a, I'm like 100% a millennial in terms of Asian and like, worldview and 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 I don't use TikTok like that tells you something <laughs> I'm too old for that but I do pay attention to you know the, the upcoming generation Gen Z what are they about and and you know they might there might be something there because what you do the TikToks that I have seen or, or the content that I've had seen from Gen Z is that yes there might be some little trolls out there like in every generation, they're like communism and blah, blah, blah. But there's also a lot of really entrepreneurial young people all over these platforms. And it's like, they're already, they're already pro, like, you know, having their own business and in a way, like reaching for their goals. They have this productive mindset that I see a lot of, like, you see a lot of more specialized people on these platforms, like, like back in the day, when you became an influencer, right? Millennials became influencers just by blogging their lives. Like that was a thing. But nowadays, people become influencers for more specific things. Like, uh, I have a honey farm and it's like a 24-year-old. Or I, I am a seamstress and it's a 20-year-old. And they're really specialized. There's all these young people that are specializing in things and they're, they're creating content. And so it looks like they are, you, you, you think when you see that, that they might be open to a philosophy that like 
one of their main things is productive work and like reaching for your goals and all that. So I think there, there's something there. Yeah. I mean, the, the irony is when even when I think one of the football players uh, was asked, he was doing a live TV show and he, he had his books behind him and someone or he pulled down Atlas Shrugged and was like, oh yeah, this is my favorite book. I forgot who it was. It wasn't Tom Brady, but one of these guys. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he had to kind of backtrack it later. It's like, oh uh-huh. no, no, I really don't like. It. So, you know, I don't, I don't really ultimately care. It. I don't feel like, you know, you were kind of a salesperson or have been a salesperson for objectivism, and I take my hats off for you. I try to be more like you said, just kind of live it and enjoy life and steer people to Rand, but feel like I don't have to win arguments about Rand. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and engage in conversations with great people like you. Um, and so many of the other people on the on the super chat and on you know in, in the objectivist movement, MN, thank you for a really generous donation for being part of our philosophy posse, Kirk Wilcox, who actually does great. I'm sure you know yes. of Kirk. Kirk is a he's like a YouTube master and does really interesting, funny social commentaries. I learn a lot from his stuff. So thank you, Kirk, for being part of part of our well, part of our plot philosophy philosophy and part of it as well. Um, really inspirational. Gene, Bonnie, our super chatters, Doug, were so uh, responsive today. So they're really great. And I wanna remind our audience, first of all, thank you, Jennifer, for being with us and for being all that you do. Will you come back again? Of course, yes. <laughs> all right, good. I know you want a big work-life balance as part of uh, gener- or, uh, millennials, but I hope you'll take some time to <laughs> Yeah. Good. And we've got so much more coming up on the Ayn Rand Center UK channel. At 10 o'clock UK, we've got TV talk with Mark Pellegrino, Jennifer Boudinet, and Jacqueline Schumann on Outer Range. I just think that's so cool. It's like Mark Pellegrino, some of these other people are great individuals, smart objectivists, cool. But Mark Pellegrino, like certified movie star certified mm-hmm. TV star and you get to interact with him. You get to kind of hang with him by supporting the Ayn Rand Center UK. So thank you for being here and just, I'll do my part on the way out. You know, I, I'm trying to appeal to generation, I guess the millennial generation. So um, I got chat GPT to write a hip hop song. About oh my God. Listen up, I got a story to tell about a woman who changed the way we think as well. Her name was Ayn Rand, a writer with a fire. Her words still inspire, decades later still desire. I'm not gonna go through this. I'm just gonna, you know, leave it up here. You know know who you should have gotten to rap this? He might be in the chat, Chandler. He he likes rapping. He will rap this for you. Make it easy on yourself and have Chat GPT write it, and then you just perform it and share it with us on the next. Gene saying, "Oh no, oh no, stop!" <laughs> but don't stop watching. Keep it up live here for Mark and and uh, the gang for TV Talk in just a little while. And thank you and thank Jennifer for being with us here on the Iron Center UK. Till next time, we're wishing you best premises and be well.